the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. So Barry Weiss has a Substack. If you don't know what Substack is, it's kind of like a blog. You can subscribe to it. And you can support them through somewhat of a Patreon model. And Barry Weiss used to work for the New York Times, and she left in a public, let's just say a public way, where she basically called the New York Times intolerant, somewhat anti-Semitic, and exposed them for the not-so-subtle totalitarians that they've become. So Barry Weiss is now a freelance writer. I think she writes for the City Journal as well. We've covered her extensively here on this program. She's a small-L liberal. She would probably be considered a 1970s or 1980s Democrat. However, I have no reason to believe that Barry Weiss does not love America, and she definitely loves free speech. She loves the Constitution. She loves the marketplace of ideas, and she has now become a conduit for many parents who are seeing their children be taught to hate the country to expose that. So Barry Weiss posted this a couple days ago where she said, quote, you have to read this letter. And you've probably seen this story in the coming days where this father wrote an open letter to Brearley School. Now, if you do not know what Brearley School is, it's an all-girls school in New York City located on the Upper East Side neighborhood with approximately 50 to 60 students per grade and about 700 total students in the school. And I want to say hello to our friends on WABC listening, because I'm sure you know Brearley School quite well. And so this was an open letter by a father who decided in remarkable terms to draw a line in the sand, to say what we have all been thinking, and quite honestly to say what we've been saying on this program for a couple years. Now, in some ways, they're a little bit late to the game because the indoctrination, the lack of critical thinking, the lack of responsible education, I'm afraid is past the point of no return in so many institutions. Now, I do not think the country is past the point of no return. I think there are many things that we can do and that we are doing that are going to change the trajectory of the nation. So I'm going to read this letter, and there are some parts I'm going to skim over But I really want to read the whole thing if we're able to find the time to do it, because it's remarkable. Dear fellow Brearley parents. Now remember, he's writing to parents, not teachers. He's writing to parents, not administrators. He's writing to parents of the ruling class. If you are a member of the ruling class, you want to send your daughter to Brearley. Quote, Our family recently made the decision not to re-enroll our daughter at Brearley for the 2021-2022 school year. She has been at Brearley for seven years, beginning in kindergarten. In short, we no longer believe that Brearley's administration and board of trustees have any of our children's best interests at heart. Moreover, we no longer have confidence that our daughter will receive the quality of education necessary to further her development into a critical, thinking, responsible, enlightened, and civic-minded adult. I couldn't have said it any better myself. I write to you as a fellow parent to share our reason for leaving 
the Brearley community, but also urge you to act before the damage to the school, to its community, and your own child's education is irreparable. Good for him. We need more parents to do this quickly and decisively. Quote, it cannot be stated strongly enough that Brearley's obsession with race must stop. America's obsession with race must stop. He continues by saying it should be abundantly clear to any thinking parent that Brearley has completely lost its way. The administration and the board of trustees have displayed a cowardly and appalling lack of leadership by appeasing an anti-intellectual, illiberal mob and then allowing the school to be captured by the same mob. What follows are my own personal views of Brearley's anti-racism initiatives, but these are just a handful of the criticisms that I know other parents have expressed. So let me take a time out here. I don't know the, this father's political views. I don't. His name is Andrew Gutman. I, I don't know if he's a liberal. I don't know if he's a conservative. I don't know if he's a Trump supporter. I don't know if he voted for Joe Biden. But I do know that, that standing up against the institutional mob that is currently educating your child, where all your friends go to school, where all other parents are sending their kids, this takes courage. And for any other parent listening out there, it's time to make this type of noise at your child's school if this garbage is happening. I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudice others by theirs. By viewing every element of education aspect of history, every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Amen. And utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. I object to the charge of systemic racism in this country and at our school. Systemic racism properly understood is segregated schools and separate lunch counters. It is the interning of Japanese and the exterminating of Jews. Systemic racism and unequivocally not a small number of isolated incidents over a period of decades. Ask any girl of any race if they've experienced insult from friends. Have they ever felt slighted by teachers or suffered occasional injustice from a school at which they've spent up to 13 years of their life and you're bound to hear grievances, some petty, some not. We have not had systemic racism against blacks in this country since the civil rights reforms of the 1960s, a period of more than 50 years. To state otherwise is a flat-out misrepresentation of our country's history and adds no understanding to any today's societal issues. If anything, long-standing and widespread policies such as affirmative action point in precisely the opposite direction. This father is a hero. I know I said that before, but to say that Blacks have not experienced systemic racism since the 1960s is standing up to the ruling class, to the virtue signaling mob that is all signaling and no virtue and saying no more. He continues by saying, I object to a definition of systemic racism apparently supported by Brearley, that any educational, professional, or societal outcome where blacks are underrepresented is prima facie evidence of the aforementioned systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported beliefs such as these are the polar opposite to the intellectual and scientific truth for which Brearley claims to stand. Furthermore, I call BS, he used a more graphic word, on Brearley's oft-stated assertion that the school welcomes and encourages the truly difficult and uncomfortable conversations regarding race and the roots of racial discrepancies. I want you to think and mull over, what if every parent in America did this? What if every parent in America decided to stand up against the people that are teaching your child to hate themselves and hate America. 
This father from Brearley says, quote, I object to the idea that blacks are unable to succeed in this country without aid from government or from whites. Brearley, by adopting critical race theory, those are the three words, good for you, is advocating the abhorrent viewpoint that blacks should forever be regarded as helpless victims that are incapable of success regardless of their skills, talents, or hard work. What Brearley is teaching our children is precisely the true and correct definition of racism. My goodness, good for you. I object to the mandatory anti-racism training for parents, especially when presented by the rent-seeking charlatans of Pollyanna. All right, let me just take a pause here. So the reason this whole thing happened is that at Brearley College in New York, they were mandating that the parents go through anti-racism training. That in order to have the right and the privilege to send your child to Brearley, you must go through anti-racism training. These sessions, in both their content and delivery, are so sophomoric and simplistic, so unsophisticated and inane, that I would be embarrassed if they were taught to Brearley kindergartners. They're an insult to the parents and unbecoming of any educational institution, let alone one of Brearley's caliber. So again, if you're a parent that wants to go pay $54,000 a year to send your daughter to Brearley, you must be indoctrinated too. It's not enough to indoctrinate the children. You must also indoctrinate the parents. I object to Brearley's vacuous, inappropriate, and fanatical use of words such as equity, diversity, and inclusiveness. If Brearley's administration was truly concerned about the so-called equity, you'd be discussing the cessation of administrations and admissions, preferences for legacy siblings, and those families with especially deep pockets. If the administration was genuinely so serious about diversity, they would not insist on the indoctrination of its students and their families to a single mindset more reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Instead, the school would foster an environment of intellectual openness and freedom of thought. And if Brearley really cared about inclusiveness, the school would return to the concepts encapsulated in the motto, One Brearley. Instead of teaching, there's only and always two groups in this country, victims and oppressors. I object to the Brearley advocacy for groups and movements such as Black Lives Matter, a Marxist, anti-family, heterophobic, anti-Asian, anti-Semitic organization that neither speaks out for the majority of the black community in this country, nor in any way, shape, or form represents their best interests. I object, as we have been told time and time again over the past year, that the school's first priority is the safety of our children. For goodness sakes, Brearley is a school, not a hospital. The number one priority of a school has always been and will always be education. Brearley's misguided priorities exemplify both the safety culture and the CYA culture that together have proved so toxic to our society and have so damaged the mental health and resiliency of two generations of children and counting. He continues through this and says, I object to the gutting of history and civics and classical literature. I object to the erosion of rigor and classwork and the escalation of grade inflation. We have today in our country from both political parties and at all levels of government the most unwise and unvirtuous leaders in our nation's history. Schools like Brearley are supposed to be the training grounds for those leaders. Our nation will not survive a generation of leadership with even more poorly educated than we have now, nor will we survive a generation of students taught to hate its own country and despise its history. Andrew Gutman, and there's a couple of pieces I want to touch on here. He's trying to tell the other parents... Stand by me and fight with me. I don't know how many will. Again, this is a very liberal part of the world, New York City. This is a part of the world where you do not challenge the well-accepted left-wing orthodoxy. That the New York Times is its read more than the Bible in New York, time, in New York City. So now you have a parent that's starting to stand up against this. And so why is it that 
This sort of culture is so unbelievably dangerous. What is this soft totalitarianism? It's an attempt to try and not just stop your speech, but stop your thoughts and stop your identity and force you to conform. What he is articulating here is an effective resistance doctrine. That if we are going to resist against this totalitarian impulse that our country is entertaining, then we must do so publicly and sign our names to those letters and say, you are not going to teach my children to hate our country and hate themselves. So why am I so passionate about this letter from this parent who's finally standing up for what is right? Because I have seen what has happened for the last couple of years of parents doing nothing. Let me tell you a story that has broken the last week and a half of Avery Severson from Minnesota. She's a Minnesota high school student, and she wanted to start a Turning Point USA chapter. She said that she was inspired by a video of mine and attempted to start a TPUSA group at her school. I'm reading from the foxnews.com article. Over the past year, Severson has been trying to get together a group of students to join her club. The school told her that the guidelines were that 20 students were needed to start the club, and she got all of the necessary requirements. But then all of a sudden, she was accused of sending out racist text messages and social media messages to other students. She didn't do such thing. You talk to her for 20 seconds, you can tell. She's a very sweet young girl. But the moment that she started to want to organize a Turning Point USA group, she gets accused of sending out these awful racist text messages. And so then the FBI got involved. That's right, the FBI got involved at White Bear Lake High School in Minnesota. The FBI investigated, and it turned out that it was a hoax. That's right, a hoax. It was made up. It was fake. The superintendent of the school said, quote, the initial investigation by the FBI and our local police department and the school district uncovered that the school the social media posts were not what they appeared. The original messages were found to be a hoax sent under false pretenses by an Instagram account that was created by a student. The individual who created the social media post poses no threat to our students of color. So she made it all up or he, whomever did this. And of course, they're not going to say who it is. So this was probably a BLM Incorporated activist that was staging this as a complete and total false flag operation to destroy a Turning Point USA chapter leader, Avery Severson. At White Bear Lake High School, they did walkouts. They did massive teacher protests. The students skipped school for these walkouts. And most adults were silent at White Bear Lake High School near St. Paul, Minnesota. Most adults sat idly by while this young girl, Avery Severson, was smeared and slandered. They got the FBI involved to exonerate her. And of course she was exonerated, and we will actually never find out who staged this, similar where Jussie Smollett will never be held accountable for faking a hate crime, or Bubba Wallace, who called in the FBI when he found a piece of rope on his garage door. And so Avery's doing quite well, and we are going to help support her to get her Turning Point USA chapter up and running, and I hope she's at our Young Women's Leadership Summit, 
which is coming up in Dallas in June, which I encourage you to get to and go to. But I'm wrestling with this, and I can't figure out why parents and adults who are supposed to be the guardians of our country, who are supposed to be the protectors to pass down this gift to the next generation, are putting up with this. Well, thankfully, Andrew Gutman from Brearley, he is leading the charge and saying no more. He finishes his letter by saying, Lastly, I object with a strong sentiment as possible that Brearley has begun to teach what to think instead of how to think. I object that the school is now fostering an environment where our daughters and our daughters' teachers are afraid to speak their minds in class for fear of, quote, consequences. Let me just pause there. This is not just happening at Brearley. This is happening at almost every major school across the country. We are dealing with this, and I want to say hello to all of our friends right now that are driving in the car or working at home on AM560, The Answer, at Loyola Academy. I went to school at Wheeling High School right down the street. I know Loyola very well. It's an upper-middle-class school where very wealthy parents send their kids. And every student was required to be taught anti-racism training teaching every white kid in the school that they're actually racist. An incredibly bigoted thing to teach children. Now, thankfully, we were part of the movement, all of you listening on our podcast right now. If you contacted Loyola, you were part of that. That curriculum has been changed at Loyola Academy. Andrew Gutman continues by saying, I object that Brearley is trying to usurp the role of parents in teaching morality and bullying parents to adopt that false morality at home. Every totalitarian state that has ever existed seeks to disconnect and erode the bond between a parent and their child. Instead, they want the state to become the parent. Mao did this in the Cultural Revolution, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. He created the Red Guard, which were mostly young people, and they were indoctrinated to believe that their parents were wrong. This is exactly what happens at college. When parents send their kids to college, they're basically handing their children over to the new equivalent of Mao's Red Guard so that they can learn a set of values that is completely contrary to their parents and actually be encouraged to rebel and to become a dissident against their parents. So it's a very important truth that a society cannot continue to exist. A country cannot continue to exist. If parents are not the primary driver and the primary teachers of morality, of truth, of character, and of direction. Instead, we have turned to a group of bitter educators to all of a sudden be the ombudsmen, be the communicators and relay what it means to be a good person. What is a human being? That's a really good question. A human being is someone who can reason, someone who could speak. As Aristotle said, we are the speaking beings. It's someone with a rational faculty. It's someone who is able to have dialogue. Dialogue comes from the Greek word, Dia, which means through, log, logos, thinking, or reason, through reason. A school like Brearley, a school like Loyola, or a school like White Bear Lake High School, they do not want to have dialogue. They want to have submission. They want you to obey. 
And this is only going to change when the people in charge, the adults, they don't just complain about this privately. They take dramatic and decisive and public action. So Andrew Gutman, who wrote this letter, is being heralded by a hero, by Barry Weiss, by Maria Bartiromo, by Candace Owens, and by myself. He is now going to be attacked as a racist. But Andrew has courage, so he's willing to contest and do the right thing, regardless of the names and the insults that will be levied at him. He continues by saying, I object that Brearley is fostering a divisive community where families of different races, which until recently were part of the same community, are now segregated into two. A pretty basic thing. Segregation is bad. We had an entire civil rights movement about that. These are the reasons why we can no longer send our daughter to Brearley. Over the past several months, I have personally spoken to many Brearley parents as well as parents of children at peer institutions. It's abundantly clear that the majority of parents believe that Brearley's anti-racism policies are misguided, divisive, and counterproductive and cancerous. Many believe, as I do, that these policies will ultimately destroy what was until recently a wonderful educational institution. But as I'm sure... It'll come as no surprise to you, given the insidious cancel culture that as of a late permeate our society, most parents are too fearful to speak up. Bingo. Too fearful to speak up. Parents don't want to lose their job. They don't want to lose the connection to their law firm. They don't want to lose the connection to their corporation. But Andrew Gutman is leading the charge. So what is cancel culture? We talk about that a lot. Are you able to define it? I was reading something recently, and it was from a Soviet dissident and a Soviet defector. And she said this about the Soviet Union, which, by the way, the Soviet Union is the least understood totalitarian experiment from the American perspective. We do talk about the National Socialist Workers' Party a fair amount. We don't talk about the Soviet Union enough. She warns this, you will not be able to predict what will be held against you tomorrow. You'll have no idea what completely normal thing you will do or say today will be used against you to destroy you. This is what people in the Soviet Union saw. We know how this works. So what is cancel culture? It's the changing of the rules just to accommodate a goal of having power. That's what cancel culture is. Cancel culture is removing someone from a position of authority a position of trust, a position of responsibility under this guise that I am a better person than you and I will always be a better person than you. So give me power so I can abolish your life. Not just abolish your life, but ruin your life and cause chaos in your life. But Andrew Gutman finishes this letter and he says, but parents, speak out, you must. There is strength in numbers, I assure you. The numbers are there. Contact the administration of the Board of Trustees and demand an end to the destructive and the anti-intellectual claptrap known as anti-racism. And if changes are not forthcoming, then demand new leadership. For the sake of our community, our city, our country, most of all our children, silence is no longer an option. Respectfully, Andrew Gutman. This has now made national news of one parent who has stood up to the mob at the Brearley School, of the people who are requiring parents to take anti-racism classes and courses. Where in science class, they are reenacting police shootings. I kid you not. That is what has happened. If every single parent who is hearing me say this right now 
wrote a letter like this and found courage, which is doing the right thing when you do not know how it's going to work out. The educational industrial complex who has been infected with wokeism would be challenged for good. Courageous people standing up is how this gets solved. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com for Town Hall. Three months after Democrats and Republicans condemned the rhetoric that preceded the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill, House Democrat Maxine Waters has come to the Twin Cities to vent her own dangerous rhetoric. Speaking to protesters at the Derek Chauvin trial, Waters demanded that the jury deliver a guilty verdict or else. Waters not only demanded that the jury convict Chauvin, but added that she wanted a guilty verdict for first-degree murder, which isn't even among the charges Chauvin faces. Waters then exhorted protesters to stay in the streets and fight for justice. Loaded language in a city that exploded into rioting last year and where unrest following a police shooting is ongoing in a nearby suburb. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has demanded Nancy Pelosi take action against Waters for inciting violence in Minneapolis. If Congress wants us to take inciting rhetoric seriously, then they need to stop exporting it to our communities. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu